I think the last four years have really shown us in the world that no democracy is immune from the threat of authoritarianism, that the U.S. is really no exception on that front. This is actually the trend of the world. And it looks like there is no place for reform in this world. I think a lot of people have kind of given up on the U.S. with the beacon of justice at this point. Just days ago, the world got a glimpse of what it might look like if America's democracy came to an end. There were rioters, insurgents, neo-Nazis, a mob of them storming the U.S. Capitol and pointing out to their fellow Americans and the world just how fragile the democratic system is. I think it is fair to say that we do stand on a precipice in terms of the rule of law in our country. But what's perhaps most remarkable is that the person many people blame for encouraging democracy's defeat is the same person who is tasked with upholding it. President Donald Trump. Could the role he played end his presidency early? Could he be prosecuted or even indicted after his presidency ends? We asked some of those questions in an episode a few months ago. And today, because of these events, we're asking again with more urgency. Can you prosecute a head of state? How? And what does that mean for democracy in the end? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. So just to be clear, those voices you heard at the top are journalists we spoke to for an episode that ran back in September, prosecuting a president. We looked at three different heads of state around the world who were facing legal trouble at the time, including the U.S. president. You can find it on our feed, where you probably found this episode, and I definitely recommend you have a listen. We wanted to check back with one of those voices today, after what happened last week in the United States, because so much has changed. In the United States, the Justice Department has a policy that the president, any president, is immune from prosecution. The idea is that prosecuting the president would impermissibly interfere with a president's ability to lead the government. That's Connor Shaw when we first talked to him in that episode a few months ago. And I'm senior counsel at CREW, which is Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. We are a nonpartisan ethics watchdog. And Connor says the United States has followed that precedent of not indicting a president so far. However, once a president leaves office, that policy no longer applies. And in theory, those cases could be brought. So now, the U.S. president has just over a week before he leaves office, willingly or not. And we reached out to Connor again. So, Connor, it has been a few months since we last talked, and clearly so much has happened and keeps happening since then. But the last time we spoke, it was before the presidential election, and I asked you if President Trump could be prosecuted once he leaves office. And you said, in theory, those cases could be brought. Do you feel that same way now? Do you think there is a possibility that he could be prosecuted? I do, and I think there's even more reason to think so after the last few days, and really since the election in November. And 
let's walk through why Joe Biden was elected president. And then last week, in the run-up to the inauguration, was the wildest week that many of us have ever seen in Washington, D.C. It really started the weekend before when we learned of a phone call from President Trump to election officials in Georgia. Mr. President, on the line is Secretary of State and uh, two other individuals. In which he basically asked them to find 11,000 votes for him. So all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. And, and change the outcome of that election. It is really one of the most remarkable and disturbing events in American history, a U.S. president calling a state official to overturn the fair and free election results in Georgia. And that really set the stage for what happened on Wednesday, January 6th, when Trump and others hosted a rally of his supporters in front of the White House and called on them to go to the Capitol and make their feelings heard. And that mob went down to the Capitol. And as as everybody saw, I'm sure, on TV or on the internet, used force to enter the Capitol building and interrupt the U.S. Congress's verification of the 2020 election results. You are normally based in D.C., so if I can, I want to talk to you as one D.C. resident to another D.C. resident. What went through your mind watching the events unfold on social media and on TV? I was appalled and saddened and angered. I grew up seven blocks from the U.S. Capitol. It's, it's my home. And the images I saw are completely discordant with the symbol that it is for so many of us. One of freedom and one of order and one of laws. And to see people smashing through the windows to enter the building, to see our elected representatives in the House and the Senate have to hide in fear for their personal safety, to see bullet holes uh, on the doors of the Capitol building. It was truly one of the most frightening days as an American and as somebody who grew up in Washington, D.C. The last time we talked, we went through a list of Trump's legal troubles before last week, his impeachment related to Russian meddling in the 2016 election, accusations of interfering with the Mueller investigation before the impeachment, accusations of campaign finance law violations related to payments to Stormy Daniels, a former porn star. Payments that his attorney, Michael Cohen, made to women who claimed they had affairs with Trump. Allegations that the Trump campaign paid this porn star hush money. Did this break campaign finance laws? Does Stormy Daniels have the president's number? It sure seems that way. But this past week was different. I think when we spoke in the fall, we talked about the costs and benefits of trying to prosecute a former leader. The political supporters of the former leader are going to view that investigation as politically motivated and a political attack on them. But we're at a point now where I think we have to accept some of those risks, some of those costs, because the the alternative is to accept a world in which the violence and the lawlessness that we saw last week will grow and continue to disrupt 
our democracy in potentially much more tragic and 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 violent ways. We were we were incredibly lucky that no uh, no staff member or no elected representative was injured or lost their life last week. But we might not be so lucky in the future. Um, so we need to view this moment as one of great peril, where the costs of inaction may be much worse. So what might be done? Is there a real chance that the vice president and cabinet would remove President Trump from office? The quickest and most effective way to remove this president from office would be for the vice president to immediately invoke the 25th Amendment. As to the 25th Amendment being invoked, I do not believe that's appropriate at this point. I'm looking for a peaceful transfer of power. It's time to invoke the 25th Amendment and to end this nightmare. The 25th Amendment seems to be on everyone's lips and minds right now. Why? The 25th Amendment is one of the ways we might remove President Trump from office and prevent him from continuing to abuse the powers of his office. It allows the vice president and a majority of the members of the cabinet to declare that the president is unable to fulfill his duties. They must do so in written form to Congress. The president could contest that also in writing. Then if the vice president and the cabinet continued to pursue uh, their claim, Congress would ultimately have to decide whether the president was fit and able to discharge the duties of his office. That process could, in theory, make Vice President Pence the acting president for the remaining days of this presidency. And it's perhaps the easiest path towards incapacitating President Trump at this moment. There are so many people who are asking online, I'm seeing them in tweets and Facebook posts, at this point, it's too little too late. Does it matter if impeachment happens at this point with less than two weeks to go before the inauguration? And why would that matter? It absolutely matters. And I think before the events of the last few days, you saw some people arguing accountability is backward looking and it's time to look forward. But I think that gets it backwards, to be honest. Accountability is a forward looking concept. The idea is to deter people from engaging in the same conduct in the future. The events we saw at the Capitol building are a vivid picture of what the world looks like without consequences, without the rule of law. And I think we have to grapple with the fact that if we don't seek real consequences for what we've seen, we're going to see continued disorder, perhaps at a greater and more dangerous scale than we saw last week. There are some practicalities that might make invoking Article 25 difficult. The problem with the 25th Amendment is that the cabinet and the vice president are individuals who are likely to be particularly loyal to the president. And for that reason, they are extremely unlikely to invoke that power unless they think the president truly is unfit. Um, If it's going to happen anytime in the next two weeks, I'd expect it to happen very soon. But that's not the only option. Impeachment still is on the table. Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat and Speaker of the House, was already advocating for that on Thursday, the day after Capitol Hill was stormed. I joined the Senate Democratic leader in calling on the vice president to remove this president 
by immediately invoking the 25th Amendment. If the Vice President and the Cabinet do not act, the Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment. There's been a groundswell among Democratic members of Congress since Wednesday's attack on the Capitol in support of new articles of impeachment. The trouble is the House would have to reconvene and pass articles of impeachment, and then the Senate would have to conduct a trial. And it's just uncertain whether there is enough time in the next couple of weeks. The reason it would be worthwhile, though, is that one of the things that the Senate can do if it convicts somebody on articles of impeachment is to preclude them from holding future office in the United States. And there have been indications that Trump may run for office again, even as president of the United States. But before then, once out of office, Trump's legal fate will lie largely in the hands of the Department of Justice under the Biden-Harris administration. In some cases, state attorneys general would have jurisdiction to investigate as well. I mentioned Georgia. There's also uh, New York State and Manhattan investigations that we already know about into the president's business affairs. And one of the other events that we learned of was that Biden announced his intention to nominate Merrick Garland, uh, a current judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, to be the next attorney general of the United States. Thank you, President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris, for asking me to serve as the attorney general of the United States. And the announcement of Garland as the pick for attorney general is a real indication that the Biden administration is going to seek to restore the integrity and independence of that department. And given the events of the last week, there is going to be an even stronger case that the risk of appearing to be engaged in a politicized investigation are really offset by the consequences of failing to um, failing to pursue accountability where it is really merited. And what kind of penalties could Trump face? In the criminal context, context it would include potential prison time, fines. The U.S. government could pursue civil penalties as well, including fines. And it's important to, to note that civil penalties are beyond the reach of the president's pardon power. So even if he tried to pardon himself, it wouldn't apply to civil penalties. And while it's theoretically possible, Connor says, no president has pardoned himself before. We'd also be worried about him pardoning potential witnesses against him or co-conspirators like his attorney Rudy Giuliani, uh, like potentially members of his family. With what the United States has seen so far, it's hard to imagine what could happen as President Trump comes closer to this reality in the days to come. He himself has suggested leaving the country. Maybe I'll have to leave the country. I don't know. Connor says that a lot of people think that might be one of the better options. If President Trump left the country, I think a lot of people would celebrate that. But what he recommends is even simpler. Just apologize and resign. My advice to him would be to resign and to, and to leave public life. And what Connor said months ago when we first spoke to him about what was happening then to the rule of law in the United States still makes sense today. I think when we 
are talking about the rule of law. We're talking about the idea that nobody is above the law, that nobody can expect to avoid consequences for violating the laws. Any social compact, uh, any constitution, any set of laws depends on citizens' trust and expectation that if they follow the rules, other people are going to follow the rules. And when you see public officials break rules and face no consequences, that can lead to a breakdown of the entire system. And that's what we, when we talk about losing the rule of law or the rule of law falling apart, it's, it's really that. It's, it's public faith in the system as a whole breaking down because they no longer believe that the rules that they have agreed to are binding. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Dina Kispe, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilbe, Ney Alvarez, Nagin Oliay, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. And if our conversation today has you intrigued, be sure to check out our earlier episode, Prosecuting a President at The Take, wherever you listen to podcasts or at aljazeera.com slash The Take. We'll be back 